Would you grab your Bibles with passion, purpose, enthusiasm as we turn to the Lord's Word this morning? We're going to go to Luke chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 37, but we're really heading down to verse 43. And I want to hopefully encourage our hearts. You know, I have great encouragement, great stirring in my heart at what the Lord is doing in our midst. I know the, uh, the headlines, the news reports continue to not be sources always, perhaps sometimes, but not always, of good news. But there is good news, that he is at work that he is accomplishing his purposes and plans. And I tell you, I've been so encouraged by what the Lord has been doing this year so far, end of last year, just the sense of his presence in our midst. We've seen salvations. We've seen all sorts of wonderful things. And in fact, the word that the Lord encouraged my heart with as we've begun this year is that it's a year to go higher. It's a year of new, fresh things in the Lord, fresh perspectives. It was the picture of the eagle soaring. But here's another picture. How many of us made it along to the balloons this year? Anyone get out to the balloons? We've just gone through. Only three people in. Is that it? Nobody? Well, maybe you're a bit like me and my family. We were full of good intentions this year. We really did think and plan towards getting there, but we never made it this year to see the balloons. But it's always a wonderful spectacle to see in our city. And You'll know if you've been there that these balloons get filled with the hot air, but then they're tethered to the ground. And in order for them to be fully released, what has to happen? The, the tethers, the ropes have to be broken. And so if you hear nothing else this morning, this is the encouragement, I believe, from the Lord, is that if you want to go higher, we need to get freer. We need to get freer. So, oh, amen, we can just finish there. Round of applause. Fantastic. So let's pray and then let's launch into what I have on my heart to share from the Lord for us this morning. Father, we are so thankful. We're so thankful for your grace, for your mercy that's available, Lord, when we get it right and when we make a complete mess of it. In the highs and the mountaintops and in the midst of the miry clay, still you are there. You're rescuing, you're redeeming, you're reaching out to us. And I pray that there'd be that reality this morning for each and every one of us here, for those joining online, Lord, of encountering afresh this God of mercy and grace. Would you pour out afresh your presence upon your people? We are hungry. We're thirsty for more of you. And Father, we're so grateful for your word as we turn to your scriptures this morning. Would you cause it through the power of your spirit to come alive? May it be planted deep. May it accomplish all that you desire in us and through us for the glory of your name, King Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you there? Are we in Luke chapter 6, verse 37? In fact, we've been in this passage before, just uh, probably a month or so, a couple of months, perhaps we looked at this very passage taking uh, the, the portion of Scripture as Jesus concludes this, this incredible sermon. This incredible message to those that he gathered around him. And I love as we come to scriptures and the words of Christ that there's, there's this incredible reality of him speaking into the bigger picture, the sufficiency, the sovereignty. He talks about firm foundations that endure, that last, that we can build our lives upon. It's the big picture. And yet, as we'll see today, he also speaks to the nitty-gritty of 
the human heart. And we need both. We need that sense of the greatness and the goodness and the mercy and the majesty and the sufficiency. And we need that sense as well of the reality of what he says to us personally in our hearts. But we look inward in order that we might move upward. That's the mission, to get freer that we might go higher. So would you read these words? As I said, we're heading down to Luke 6, verses 43. But let's pick up the flow as Christ gives this incredible sermon. It's Jesus speaking. He says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eyes, but not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye, when, you're, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. You can see it's another feel-good Jesus sermon, isn't it? He's confronting some issues. He's looking at a whole lot of stuff. But I want you to notice the beginning of verse 43, 4. There's a, a connection here. So what we're going to read now is not separate and removed, as we could tend to think. This is really the heart of the matter. It's the title for the sermon this morning. The heart of the matter. This is what Jesus is really going after. He says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth speaks. So two main elements for us to grab there before we launch any deeper this morning. Number one, this final phrase, for from the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Your mouth cannot speak other than what is in your heart. And by the same side, the other side of the same coin, what you say reveals what is in your heart. And I'd love us to think about, in the midst of trials and challenges, when someone cuts you off in the midst of traffic, what is it that flows out from your heart? When you wake up in the morning, as I did this week, and there's no coffee to put in the coffee grinder. First world problems. What's the first thing? Praise the Lord. I need to trek down to my shed and retrieve some fresh coffee. Praise the Lord for that blessed person that you love in the car in front of me. What is the overflow of our hearts when we're stressed, squeezed, tested and under pressure, when there's stuff happening around us? What's coming out? And if you're not sure, there's always a dangerous but revealing question to ask. Just ask those closest to you that know you the best. What is it that's coming out of my mouth? Because that will reveal what is in my heart. That's the first element. Jesus is saying, look at the overflow and you'll see what's in your heart. But this is really what I want to get to this morning. He's also saying, as Jesus is dealing with all these issues, many, many issues, but he's saying, really, what I'm going after 
It's not just the fruit. It's not just behavioral management plan. What I'm really after is the root. Because if you've got the fruit, as the saying goes, then you've got the root. A good root will only produce good fruit. A bad one will only produce bad fruit. In other words, when Jesus here is talking about loving and forgiving and not not holding judgment and, and not being hypocrites, you know, all these challenging things. He's, he's not saying, well, here I've come with the gospel as a behavior, behavioral management program. He's saying, this is the heart of the gospel. It's a heart transplant. It's what needs to happen, not just modifying the behavior, but digging deep within our hearts to reveal what is not of him. And I've been on this journey myself, so I want to say up front, I am preaching to me, I am the choir and I'm just preaching to myself and if anyone wants to join me then that's a-okay because we are in a season where things are being revealed but revealed for a purpose that we might get freer so that we can go higher. This is the heart of the matter. There was a particular article this week and I've seen many like this which has kind of got me thinking and praying along this particular path. It was in the age. Um, You can look it up if you're interested. But the title was this, Urgent National Priority, the Pandemic's Staggering Mental Toll on Young Australians. Now, this particular article was talking about a poll that was done, an extensive poll of 16 to 24-year-olds, people in that age bracket. There has been many done uh, over the course of this year and even throughout the pandemic of people in different age brackets and different categories. But in this particular survey, four out of five, 82% of young Australians, these young people that are all around us that were surveyed said they experienced significant mental health issues in the last two years. 82%. In fact, it went on to say that over a quarter said that they had thought about or had attempted at some point to take their own lives. I mean, how tragic is that? These are the people that are all around us. How heartbreaking, but at the same time, if we have open eyes, what an opportunity. What an open door to minister to people who are genuinely struggling. And so I want to say this. In the one hand, I'm I'm so encouraged by what the Lord's doing. I genuinely am, and I mean that, mean that as I said up front. But on the other hand, I've become so aware that for all of us, myself included, you cannot travel through the season that we've been in just in that sense, let alone all the other issues that we could throw into the mix as well and not be carrying some baggage, some woundedness, some hurt. We, we cannot. And so as we read this passage, as we look at the, the words of Christ, it's very clear to me, number one, that the heart is important, that the heart is essential. There's no point in just trying to pick off the bad fruit. We've actually got to go through a process and say, well, what is it that is behind this stuff that's coming It's important. But what is it that is behind Jesus saying all of these other things? It is ultimately the heart that matters. It is the heart that matters. Why is it that we see all of this stuff that is arising? It's because of heart health. Why is it that we see 
as we did this week that I found heartbreaking, and I'm sure many of you did as well, yet another moral failing in what I still believe is a good and godly church, and God has used much through the years. Why is it that we see continually these spectacular falls into temptation and sin? And we could say, well, it's structures, and it's this, and it's that, and they all lead. But ultimately, it comes down to one thing. It comes down to the matter of the heart. The fact that the heart really matters. Why is it that some in the midst of all that we've seen, they remain resolute through fierce temptation and opposition? Why is it some have this unshakable joy? I would suggest that they have guarded well their hearts. There's over a thousand passages of scripture that talk about the heart. Another favourite, if you want to turn there very quickly, I'll reference it and then I'll share a few things and lead us in a particular direction. Proverbs 4.23, who knows that passage? When it comes to this, just a wonderful picture. It says this, ESV puts it, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Another translation says, Guard your heart above all else. Above everything else, guard your heart because... Exactly as Jesus has pointed out in the Gospels that we just read. Because from that, from that place, comes everything else. If there's bad roots, there will only ever be bad fruit. If there's good in there, you cannot help but have good fruit manifest in your life. Guard your heart above, above everything else. For from it flow the springs of life. So point number one, I've alluded to it already. There's only three this morning. Is that your heart matters. Your heart is of value. It's, as Solomon puts it in the Proverbs, it's of value above everything else. So he doesn't say, well, we'll guard it and you know, have a look if, you know, if it would be nice, if, if you can get around to it, if, if there's not much else on the agenda and you've got a bit of spare, you know, might, he's saying above all else, make sure that's first priority. First priority. See, we we don't guard worthless things. Like you, I take down my trash every fortnight. I wish it was every week, and it's been that case in New South Wales for some time. I know ACT's just moved to fortnightly bin collections, so you'll have the same joy as me, perhaps, of overflowing bins. And I've got to wrestle this thing down the driveway, and sometimes it's falling on the ground. But you know what? When I leave it there and it's miles away from the house, I don't give it a second thought. I walk away and there's no concern in my mind thinking maybe I should guard the trash. In fact, someone, if someone came along and wanted to search through the trash, I mean, good luck to them. Bless them on your journey. Feel free. Why is that? Because it's not of any value to me. But by the same token, I tell you what, if someone came with bad motivations to do something to my children, I wouldn't be taking a hands-off approach. I would be ready to go, probably with a shotgun in hand, but let's just edit that bit out of the live stream. And with love and tenderness, but with a fierce, protective love for my children. Why? Because they're of value. Because they're of value. So Jesus is saying, Proverbs is saying, Scripture is saying, your heart actually matters. It's interesting, isn't it, that heart health has been in the headlines. We've had quite a few uh, prominent people who've died suddenly due to heart attacks some in their early 50s, some a bit, bit later. And I can definitely tell you as I age more and more, 50 does not seem that old anymore. It's not nearly as old as it used to be. 
It's getting younger by the day. It's young. Thank you. Who said it's young? There you go. 50 is a lot younger than it used to be. But we've, we've had these high-profile high people who've died suddenly due to heart attack. And I know a number of people who said, well, I went to get my heart checked like, just to make sure. I, I did an analysis. I've you know, gone through the whole process to make sure that my heart is healthy. But most of us would probably have some idea of how healthy our heart is. We watch the foods that we eat. We exercise. Some of us probably not as much as we should, particularly with Broadburger down the road. I don't know if it counts if I walk to Broadburger and then have a Broadburger. It's exercise and burger. Is it? I don't know if it evens out. That counts. Thank you. Most of us would be able to give some account for the, heart, the health of our heart. But what if I asked you to give account for, if you like, your spiritual heart, for the issues of your heart? How healthy would you assess yourself as being? Because in the same way, I would suggest that just in the natural, heart issues are like ticking time bombs. All of a sudden, they can strike without warning. But it's the same if we don't tend and deal with the issues of our heart. It can go undetected and strike without warning. We, we, we need to recognize the value and the importance of guarding our hearts. And where we need it. It's, it's not a hard thing. As I said, the gospel is not a behavior management plan of Jesus saying, well, here you go. Here's 50,000 more things you can do to add to your list. Fix this, this. He's saying, no, come to me and I'll give you a heart transplant. Let, let me give you a new heart. I'll take you out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So it's, it's a value. Number two, the heart affects everything. From the heart, all the issues, not some of the issues, flow. If the heart is unhealthy, it will only ever produce unhealthy fruit. On our property, we collect our own water. And from time to time, we notice that the filters get clogged. And you know, the, the way that that manifests is that as you turn the tap on, you lose water pressure. It's interesting, it doesn't actually, the water still comes through reasonably clear, but it's like the flow gets turned off, and I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting there for 10 minutes as it's dripping out, thinking, I, I just don't want to get round to going down and put on the gumboots and sort them through the filters, and I'll just wait here as long as it takes just to get the little, that's not how it's supposed to work. You know, wringing out the cloth for the last drip of water. There's a flow that's supposed to be happening that can get clogged. I had a, uh, a coffee, must be probably a month ago now, with a, a good pastor friend of mine from town. He pastors one of the biggest, one of the bigger Anglican churches, lovely guy, and I really enjoy spending time with him. In fact, he always jokes with me. He says, he's popped into services here before. He says, don't tell anyone, but so just, just between us and the internet. But he said, my, my wife's actually a bit of a closet charismatic. So we like to just pop into your services to get our fix every now and then. So it's fine. You're welcome anytime. But we're having coffee, and he said to me, he said, look, I've actually got to confess something. I said, okay, that's a good Anglican thing to do. Feel free, you can confess whatever you want. He said, well, <clears throat> there was <clears throat> this moment about, it was probably six months prior to this event where we were at an event together, Adam and I were there as well, and happened to be leading worship. And he said, we were having this wonderful worship time, the Lord was being on it, I was enjoying worship, and then I opened my eyes, and I saw, he said, I think it was you and Adam, maybe it was just Adam, and he does tend to do this. But he said, I looked over and you were both kneeling, playing your guitars and, and kneeling there as you worshipped. And he said, it was funny. But in the midst of that, I looked there and I was a little bit offended. I'm like, oh, these jolly charismatics, Pentecostals, they've always got to make a scene. Like they can't just sit there and play. Why have they always got to do something? You know? 
And then he said, in the, in the midst of that moment, the Lord just so convicted and challenged his heart. He said, he said I won't say his name, but <clears throat> gentlemen, the Lord said to him, the problem is not that they're kneeling, the problem is that you're not. I mean, remember who it is that we're worshipping. Nobody encountered Jesus and came away the same. The blind were singing, the lame were leaping, the barren were healed and rejoicing. There's the prostitute just doing everything she could to make a scene and pour out her extravagant worship on the feet of Jesus. The question is, how could we not be a little bit expressive as we gather in the presence of the Lord, as we're lifting up his name, as we're exalting the greatness of who he is? So we had this conversation. It's like, it's funny. I just realized in this previous season, it's like the tap just got turned off. Just like I, I lost so much water pressure. It wasn't until that moment. Who would have thought that kneeling could cause such, yeah? Great offense. Um, let's move on. <laughs> uh, but he said it was just a real catalyst for him. And he said, I've been praying for the last six months. Lord, give us that kind of passion in our church services where... People express where people, he said, we do get the odd person, you know, maybe who'll lift up the hands a little bit and, you know, that, that kind of, and I said, bless you, just bless you. That's what, what a wonderful pursuit, just for freedom in, in worship. And, but for him, it was that examining, that everything flows from there. And maybe that's like some of us. It's kind of like the taps being turned off a little bit. We've come through the last season, you're like... Oh, there's no water pressure, but I'll, I guess I'll just put up with what I've got. If I can just get three drips here, then that's kind of enough. That's what I'm saying. The Lord is saying, hey, if we want to go high, if we want more, we've got to get freer. It's time to really examine, clean the filters. God, what, what is there that you need to lose? What is there that you need to bring up and deal with? Because I am so desperately hungry and longing for you, not just for me, but man, we... We have a world that is so desperately in need of him. I am so convinced more and more each and every day that the only answer is and ever will be Jesus. There is no hope aside from him. There's, there's nothing aside from Jesus. And we carry and we have that hope. So it's a value, but it affects everything. That's what we see clearly. Number three. If we are to do this, this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, well, if, you, you know, if you've got bad fruit in your heart, well, too bad. You know. it, it's, it's an invitation, I believe, to say, well, don't just look at the behavior. Look at this, but it's going to take work. I mean, they would have known well that if you had a bad fruit tree in your garden, that it takes extensive effort. It can be pruning, it can be fertilizing, it can be taking things away, putting things in, it can be totally transplanting. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things, but the point is, it's messy work, but it takes intentional effort. It does. One of the great blessings of the last year has been all the rain, and I genuinely am so thankful of the rain that we've had over the past two years. And so many benefits of it, we've had you know, green paddocks more than we've had uh, at any other time. Um, one of the downsides, one of the negatives, and it's small negative, particularly after only a couple of years ago we had the bad bushfires, so let's, let's, let's embrace the positive. But small negatives is the jolly weeds in the garden. And we have a large garden. I mean, we've got 10 acres. It's not all weeding garden, but there's a lot of gardening. It feels like 10,000 acres worth of prolific weeds. And to be honest, this year, the gardening, particularly the weeding, it was a losing battle. And 
as I reflect back on that, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because we, we knew that the weather was coming. We, we, you know, the wet weather had been there all year. We knew that the weeds were going to arise in the right time. In fact, we were at home during the whole period. So there was really no excuse for ever getting out and doing the weeds. There, there was no reason why it didn't happen. But for us, you know what? I, I was sitting there on the couch just watching the weeds grow higher, thinking, I wonder if they're going to get taller than me. I wonder if they're going to get taller than the house. But the, the point is this, that weeds are inevitable. You see the signs, you see the seasons. Weeds will rise, but it's up to us whether we let them rule and reign. We had this one little patch of garden that was like my glory patch where I did pull the weeds out. And whenever I was feeling a bit discouraged, I'd sit in that little patch. And we go, here I am in my little two foot of weeded garden. I'll just forget about all the rest. Let me tell you, that's a limited at best strategy. We need to be willing to get down and get dirty and pull the weeds up. It's it's not if some stuff's going to happen. Stuff already has. And it might be different storms and rain for different ones. It might be disappointment and discouragement, delusion, uh, disillusionment. Might be temptation, unforgiveness, and bitterness. They're going to rise. They're going to come. The question is not whether they'll come. It's what we're going to do once we see them. Are we going to sit there watching, maybe weeding one little patch, saying, oh, forget about the rest, and then pretty soon there's life choked out of your garden? Or are we really willing to put on the gardening gloves, get down and dirty, probably get the chainsaw if it's anything like my house, and just get stuck in to getting rid of the things that are around it's about weeds, but it's, it's about diet as well. I mean, we talked about this a lot over the last season, but let me mention it again and throw it in there for good measure. You see, it's so critical with heart health what we're feeding ourselves, and there's so much rubbish around. What are we feeding our hearts with? I saw this great little example and illustration. Maybe you can take this as well. I tried this myself the past week. What if for one day, for one 24-hour period, we treated our Bibles like we treat our mobile phone. Ooh, treated our Bibles like our mobile phone. In the, into this, we carried it with us through the entire day. We regularly checked just to make sure, is there any new encouragement? Refresh, refresh. Is there anything else fresh, Lord, for me in here? What if every spare moment we had sitting on the bus or wherever around the dinner table... <laughs> I won't even mention that. Every spare moment we have, we pulled out the Bible, glued, reading. Lord, feed us. Why don't you try that? Let's try that this week. Just one 24-hour period. How different would we be? Because his words are life. They're food. They're sustenance. And that's what we need to feed and to feast ourselves upon. So we battle the weeds, we watch our diet, and there's one more here. We fix our focus. We fix our focus. There's a guy by the name of John Flavel. In fact, does the worship team want to come up? Or Adam, at least. He was a Puritan minister back in uh, the English space in the 1600s. And the Puritans, what they loved to do was to write entire volumes on one verse. If you ever go back and read any rich theology, but they'll have 15 books on, on one verse. And in fact, he had, and he has, not just that, he still has series on this one passage in Proverbs. 
He had an incredible story. He persevered in ministry, even after the act of uniformity, which forced him out of the pulpit. He sometimes preached in the woods or an island. Anywhere he could find a pulpit, he would preach and proclaim the gospel of the Lord. He was arrested. He narrowly avoided rest. He used to travel in disguise. Imagine that, just so he could get to the next location to be able to preach the gospel to those who were hungry. He suffered incredible persecution. He experienced grief. He buried his wife and his first child in his 20s. He lost various other family members who died of the plague while he was imprisoned in 1665. And he was asked, as he wrote these incredible volumes on this one verse, how is it that you've guarded your heart? How is it that you've kept your heart pure? In the midst of discouragement, disillusionment, in the midst of opposition of all different types and kinds. And he simply said this, this is how I've done it. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. This is a quote. He said, Christ is the very essence of all delights and pleasures, the very soul and substance of them, as all the rivers are gathered into the ocean, which is the congregation or meeting place of all the waters in the world. So Christ is that ocean in which all true delights and pleasures meet. I choose him and I keep on choosing him. When despair comes, I choose Jesus. When discouragement comes, I choose Jesus. When bitterness comes, I choose Jesus. When resentment rises up to reign, I choose Jesus. I choose Him. So I want to invite us this morning, and I'm going to give us a moment to do this. It's in the quietness, this own space as we bring the service to a close to ask a few questions and the invitation is for you to choose Jesus for you to choose him and as you do that remember he's not one who is removed from our struggles and suffering I think I said this last week just so struck as we talked about setting our sights upon the Lord it seemed a theme in the service that he's he's not even a coach who is beside us. But he is the Savior who's gone before us. He's walked in our shoes. He knows what it is to feel what we've felt. He knows what it is to struggle with the same struggles that we struggle with, tempted in every way and yet without sin. And he's the one who says, come to me, all who are weary. I'll give you rest. Come come who are heavy laden. If you've got burdens, there's only one place you want to be. And that's to the one who can set you free. So would you close your eyes? I want to ask you, how is your heart? How is your heart? What is it, if you're honest, that over whatever it is, the past week, the past few years, past few months, through some of the challenges, what is it that your words have revealed about the condition and the state of your heart? If you're like me, and I believe at least most of us are, if we're honest, we'd have to say what it's revealing is not all pleasant. It's not all even comfortable, that there is some things there have been revealed 
And God in his mercy, I believe, this morning is saying, just choose me, just look to me. I want to set you free. You want to go higher. It's time for us to be free. Maybe there's a lack of passion. It's like turning on the tap and there's nothing there. Lack of passion, lack of joy, lack of desire. Maybe there is temptation and there's sin that you know has grabbed a hold of you. He wants to set you free this morning. Maybe there is judgment and hypocrisy. Maybe we found it so easy to point out the specks rather than examining the logs. Spend a moment this morning inviting him in the power of his spirit as David prayed in the Psalms. Lord, search our hearts. Search our hearts. Lord, search my heart. We want to get freer so that we can go higher, but it's got to start here. Search my heart. Show me every way, everything that's ungodly, every attitude, every word that I've said, every word that I've not spoken, every judgment that I've made. Lord, with the the mercy of a a surgeon's scalpel, would you come into our hearts this morning? Do what only you can do. Reveal and expose that you might bring health and wholeness and healing. I want to give you a moment. If there's things there, scriptures make it very clear where where there's just, just confess. Just confess. It doesn't have to be a loud thing. It can be if you want. Just confess it to him, Lord, I I acknowledge. There's this issue, there's that issue. I know this is holding me back. Just take a moment to do that. To get real with the Lord. Lord, search my heart. Show me those things that I might bring them into the light. It's confessing that breaks the power. Lord, I confess I've fallen short here. Forgive me that I might go and offer the forgiveness and the mercy that's needed. Search our hearts. So, Father, I pray that you'd hear this morning the prayers of your people as we bring before you some of the stuff, some of the stuff hanging around. Lord, we're so thankful, we're so grateful for your mercy. We're thankful for, for what you're doing and stirring afresh in our midst. Stephen, the last couple of weeks, Lord, just the power of your presence amongst your people. Father, we, we don't want to be held back. And I pray that this morning would be a morning of just seeing those tethers broken once and for all. Of seeing the the roots in our hearts of bad things be completely uprooted. Lord, I'm not asking for strength to behave better. I'm asking for your grace to do what only you can do, which is the heart of the gospel, a heart transplant. Remove the old and give us the new.
just see the Lord even breaking down walls, barriers and hindrances have kept us in bondage have kept us from walking in the fullness of what he has for us so come and set us free Jesus come and set us free in Jesus name